1: Exodus chapter 30, verse number one, is where we've been studying. And it says, make an altar, okay? That God's command, not suggestion, but God's command is that we make an altar, that we allow God to make an altar for us, okay? And so what God is doing to us and what God is speaking to us through this series is that, that altars are places where God encounters man and where men encounter God. Now I want you to get this as we've been studying this. It's God's will that he be able to walk with people, spend time with them, interact with them in their day-to-day lives. And that was lost in the garden when sin came into the world. That was lost when, when all of a sudden sin broke that relationship between God. And so we talked last week about how God dealt with, dwelt at the ark of his presence. Then God dwelt in the, the tabernacle there in the ark. But he dwelt in the temple. And then he dwelt inside of man on the day of Pentecost. And so we talked about all three of those places. But I want you to understand what God is showing us about this, this original passage that we've been studying about make an altar. Make a place to where you can connect to God. Make a place to where the presence of God can change your life. I want you to, want you to get this today because altars, watch this now, altars are a place where salvation occurs, amen? Yeah. Altars can be a holy place. Altars can be a place to be prayed for. And don't run from this. We might just do this here in a little while, but altars, come on now, are where marriages are established, amen? Yeah. Some of you almost ran for the door, amen? when I was growing up, altars were so much more. I want you to get this today. Altars were where you learned to pray. Altars are where you met God. It's where you came and you needed a move of God, and so you went to the altar. Altars are where you laid down things and you learned how to sacrifice at the altars, where you came one way, but when you left, you expected to leave another way. Can I get an amen? Altars were where you found faith. Because that's why we're talking about making a place in your life for a move of God. Altars are where you find faith. Now listen to me carefully. Many of you may have had different experiences at the altar, but here's one thing that has to be constant when it's an altar. The Hebrew word for altar means something very consistent through anywhere you find it. Altar means a place of sacrifice. Sacrifice okay? Altar means a place to where something has to be laid down and it's left laying there. You offer it up as a place of sacrifice. Now, to understand this and to to see what God was saying here, God said, I want my presence to be with people. But because sin has come into their lives, there was a separation. So he put his presence inside of the wings of the ark there, and then he created a system around it. Now, the Bible tells us in the New Testament that the system he created in the Old Testament was a mirror of a heavenly system, that this is the way it is in heaven, that if you want to get into the presence of God, this is the way you have to come, okay? So he established and he created a thing called the tabernacle, okay? Help me with it. He created a thing called the tabernacle, tabernacle. and this was what the tabernacle looked like. And I want you to get some today. I want you to learn something that will help you live today. And watch this. So there's all these details about the tabernacle, and all of them are super important. I said, this is why they're they're letting me have a laser pointer. My, My geek's coming out today. All right, watch this. All right, so even this part of the tabernacle was super important. This this was a a fence made out of a curtain, okay? It was this heavy, super thick, multi-layered curtain, and and the colors represented Jesus. Everything about it, even the posts, there were were posts every few feet, and the posts were capped a certain way to represent Jesus. And on those posts, there were eye hooks that represented Jesus, and tied to those, those posts, on those eye hooks were ropes that represented Jesus. I mean, it got all the way down to the the specifics, because every detail matters. Watch this now. There was even a nail that represented Jesus because it was made out of bronze and he was placed halfway in the ground and halfway out. What does that have to do with anything? He was preaching the gospel that the humanity of Christ would be laid down upon the cross and they'd put him in the ground. But three days later, he'd come back out of the ground, come on now, and walk in power and victory. And so there's all these pictures and all these things that, that ultimately point us to Jesus, which ultimately helps us get into the presence of God. Because it's only through Jesus we're going to get in the presence of God. So if I came up, if I was a Levite or a priest, that was the only way I could go in. But if I could get into the presence of God and I came up, most people dwelt out here. They weren't even welcome to come in here. As a matter of fact, only one person could go the farthest distance, and that was the high priest, and it was only on the certain day of the year. They couldn't just go in before the presence of God. But God said, I've got to make a way for you to get into my presence. Now, I'm getting you somewhere, but it's, it's worth the ride. Just stay with me just a moment. He said, I'm going to show you how to get into my presence. And if you had come up and you seen this curtain, the very first thing you would have come to would have been a gate. And if you had been granted permission to go past that gate, then you would have come in and then you would have, been, have to be faced with an altar of sacrifice. The very first thing you had to come to if you wanted to get into the presence of God was you had to go by the altar. And then after the altar, you would have come to a thing called the laver. And the laver was this giant wash basin that said, all right, you've made a sacrifice for your sin. Now, let's take you and clean you up and wash away everything that reminds you of the dirty world that you live in. Maybe I just ought to break this down. He said, we're going to come back to this one. He said, here, you're going to get washed and clean. And this is going to show you how you need to be clean. And that represents the word of God because the Bible says the word washes us clean. All right, it's the word that makes us clean, and so he said, All right, after you've come through the word, then you're if you can go into this next gate right here. Now, look, there are two schools of thought on this one says this isn't the case, one says it is, and I'm telling you, there are two schools of thought on this one says it isn't, one says it is. I lean toward the the is side, if I can say it that way. All right, there are three names for these gates. This gate here was called the way, this gate here was called the truth, and this gate here was called the life the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the the Father, but by me, Jesus said, watch that now. So if I wanted to get in the presence of God. I had to come through the gates. All right. So a Jewish believer would have understood what he was saying. But watch this. So I've come past the altar. I have now washed myself clean at the place of the word, the washing. And if I come in through this next gate, then immediately what I see to my left—that's where I go next—is I see the candle, and as I see this large opera there, and as I see that, that, that the light of that illuminates my, the, my path, and, and 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 that represents the power of the Holy Spirit that makes hidden things known to you, that speaks to you. I'm telling you, I could not tell you, without the Holy Spirit, I wouldn't want to live in this life without him saying, now you need to be careful, or you need to watch for this, you need to look for this, because the Holy Spirit is the one who guides us in life. Amen. Now watch this. After that, I would then turn, and I would turn to the table of showbread, and if, or shoebread, either way you want to say that, but as I would turn to that, then, then, then I, the next spot would be the altar of incense. This represents the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit. This represents the provision of God. Are you with me? Amen. Tabernacle, gate, altar. The Word washes us clean. I go into the next place. The next place I have is an enlightenment. The next place I have provision. The next place is a place of intercession for others. It's the place of intercession, the place of worship. And so I come to that place of intercession. And then when only when there's been enough of that am I welcome to enter in to the presence of God. And, and then that was only the high priest could go in. But here's the problem. We miss the significance of this confusing stuff for us today. We miss it and what it has any value for us today, but all scripture is profitable. Amen. And here's what we miss. I want you to watch this. Look at this. If I want to get in the presence of God, if I look from here, from the altar of incense down to the altar of sacrifice, watch this, and then I have to go side to side. What, What does that form? a cross, that the only way you're going to get in the presence of God is if you take up your cross daily, okay? If you're willing to go by the way of the cross. Now, the cross might be old school preaching, but it's what we need today. We've got to be willing to go the way of the cross. Let me show you why you can't mess with this. Well, here's the problem. Is there anybody here that lives with somebody who likes to rearrange the furniture? (laughs) God bless your soul. Is there anybody here that will admit you're a furniture rearranger, or I'm about to show you more of you are than you know? Because I'm going to tell you, people ask me, Pastor, you'll run through this building in the dark. I've grown men won't go through this building with me in the dark because they'll be like, they'll be like, oh, oh, it's a church and it's dark. I'm like, what are you afraid? You're going to run into God? Come on now, Amen, Amen. But I'll shoot through this building as fast as I can go, and you know what? I've been doing it for 27 years, so I. Here I'm going, but, but every so often somebody will take one of those chairs and put it right out there. Whoever moved the furniture is in trouble that day. Come on now, because boom, I run into it right in the middle of the dark because you're never supposed to move the furniture. That is a, that is, that is commandment number 11. Come on. Amen. Thou shalt not move the furniture, but here's the problem. If you want to get in the presence of God, this is a way to pray yourself into the presence of God. I have to start at the altar, and then I wash myself in the Word. And then I let the Holy Spirit begin to light my path. And then I begin to ask God for provision. And then I begin to intercede for my family. And before long, I'm caught up in the presence of God. But here's the problem. The furniture was put there in a very specific way. It was put there in a very specific reason. But we move the furniture. Because when we go to God, the first thing we do is we move the table of showbread right here by the gate. We move the table of showbread and so because the first thing we pray is, God, you see what my family needs today. I mean, I'm preaching truth. God said in order to get in his presence you had to come via the altar of sacrifice first but the first thing we want to do is say lord i don't understand what i'm going through would you just help me and show me the way We're too busy moving the furniture We want a move of God, so we come into God's house expecting this group to get us into the presence of God and move this intercessory altar of incense down here by the gate so we can just step into the presence of God. But we will never have a true move of the presence of God if we keep rearranging the furniture. Because the only way to get in the presence of God, the only way to encounter the presence of God is to go through the way, the truth, and the life. To go the way that Jesus has set by the way of the cross and it all starts at the altar of sacrifice. Because you have to lay something down and confront your sin if you want a real move of God. I mean, it's truth. You have to lay something down. You have to be willing to say, God, there's something inside of me that needs to be gone. There's something inside of me that needs to change. There's something inside of me that you want to do different. God, I want to come to your altar and I want you to change my life. Now let me just teach you something about the altar. Some of you feel like you're disqualified from the altar, but the altar itself is a picture of why you're qualified. Exodus chapter 27, the description of building the altar, okay? Exodus chapter 27, verse number one. You shall make an altar, what's it, of acacia wood, of acacia wood. This is very important. And it shall be five cubits long, five cubits wide. The altar shall be square, and its height shall be three cubits. You shall make its horns on its four corners. And its horns shall be of one piece. In other words, you can't carve them and glue them on. They have to be of one piece and you shall overlay it with bronze. Now get this. If the nails being driven a certain way, if the way that the, the ropes were, were intertwined, if the way that the fabric was put upon, if everything about the tabernacle was super important, every detail matters and speaks into us. And here's what I want you to see from this. The very first thing he said about if you're going to make an altar that speaks into our lives, that speaks into who we are, there's two very significant things. He says you're going to have to make it of acacia wood. Why do you have to make it of acacia wood? What does that have to do with anything? The reason you have to make it of acacia wood was acacia wood was one of the hardest and strongest trees you could find. Listen to me. I want you to get the significance of this. Acacia wood was one of the hardest trees that you could find because it grew in the hardest circumstances possible. It's a tree that was able to grow where nothing else could grow, and it became super strong. It was so strong, it was considered indestructible. If there had been airplanes in that day, they would have made the black box out of acacia wood. I want you to get that. That's how strong it was. That's how hard it was. And that's how God demanded that the altar be made of something that would not give way under time. And here's what I mean by that. The same sin that you dealt with at 15 is still sin at 55. The law doesn't change. The word of God doesn't change. The people that, that Jesus day dealt with a sin, it's still sin today. Culture, political correctness, and time does not change what sin is. It's still sin. And if you want to get in the presence of God, you've got to get that out of your life. Amen. Well, Pastor Don, you don't understand how bad my life has been. The other side of the occasion would speaks into your life directly. I don't care how bad your life's been, stop using it as an excuse to go to the altar and start using it as what as what has qualified you to go to the altar. In other words, you made it where others couldn't make it and you still want God. You're determined that you're not gonna let what they did to you destroy you. You will be a child of God and you will win and you will overcome by the blood of the lamb. Amen. In other words, stop cursing your pain and start pursuing the promise because nothing can keep you away from the presence of God. You just need to go the right way. Come on now, amen. The second part of the art, I mean the covering of the altar. He said, you shall cover it with bronze, which was just another way that showed what represents humanity. And it was saying, I'm going to make it stronger because there, there is something that can come through the fire. You listen to me. I don't care what hell has convinced you. It has you in its grip. There's the blood of Jesus and it can bring you through the fire. And that hell will have to let go of you and you and your family shall know freedom. And the third thing that had to happen at the altar, this is kind of sad, but there was a sacrifice. A bloody, gross, disgusting... We see the altars all pretty. No. Altars are places where messes are formed. You can't sacrifice an animal without it getting dirty and messy. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. You cannot get into the presence of God... And not get dirty at an altar. Pastor Don, I just don't understand. What do you mean get dirty at an altar? I'm talking about if you come in and you leave like your clothes are still like they were. You never let down your pride. Can I tell you, I'm not meaning something, but I grew up in in a different culture. You didn't know you had been to the altar until Sister So-and-So's beehive was shooting, watch this, was shooting bobby pins across the church. <laughs> duck and cover, duck and cover. Come on now. You were watching your eyes. They Sister so and So starting Throwing her head. Come on now. Throwing her head around. And brother so-and-so let woo right over here somewhere. And before long, you got in the altars. And now can I tell you the most common thing? And, and, and it freaks me out because anybody knows Pastor Danny he knows he's a germaphobe. But when you grew up in the altars, watch this now. When you grew up in the altars, there was snot rags from one end of the altar to the other side of the altar. And I know that's being broadcast and that's just how it is. Watch what I'm about to say here. There was literally tissues everywhere because when people got to the altar, things got messy. But when they got up their life wasn't messy anymore because they let God get it out of their hearts get it out of their souls. If you want God to move you got to get to the altar but Pastor Don you don't understand I dug this hole listen to what 1 Kings I'm trying to finish but 1 Kings tells us in verse number uh, 50 of chapter 1 there's this guy by the name of Adonijah and Adonijah is the older brother of of Solomon and Adonijah and Joab decide that Adonijah needs to be king and so they go down to this little spring outside of town where they're going to make him king and they start saying he's king but David hears about it inside Jerusalem and his his wife says you said Solomon's going to be king so he calls for the priest they anoint Solomon king and suddenly Solomon king and is an outside and he hears that his brother's king and he realizes he's messed up he's made a mistake he's done wrong, I'm preaching to somebody you, you've done wrong, you've made a mistake, oh Pastor Don why did, I, why did I come to God's house for you to tell me I'm wrong let me get to the hope You've made a mistake. And what is Adonijah here? Run, boy. Run for your life. Run for your life. But instead of running for his life, look what Adonijah does. Now, Adonijah was afraid of Solomon. So he arose and he went and he took hold of the horns of the altar. Watch this. And it was told to Solomon saying, indeed, Adonijah is afraid of King Solomon for he for look, he has taken hold of the horns of the altar saying, let King Solomon swear to me today, watch this, until I find the grace of the king that he will not put his servant to death with the sword. Watch this, Adonijah says this, I made a mistake, I've blown it, and it tells me to run. But instead of running away, I'm gonna run into the altar. I'm gonna grab hold of the altar and I'm not moving until I find the grace of the king. Until I know that I can live. Until I know God can move for me. Amen. I feel this in my heart. If you can't tell it, where have you been the last five minutes? Because when you push through the pain with praise and prayer, something is going to happen on the inside of you. Then you're going to understand Isaiah 40 and 31 and It says, but those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Why? Because they got a hold of God at the altars of their life. Then you will understand Psalms 18 and 2 that says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress. Come on now. And my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. What I'm trying to tell you is very simple. The war is won at the altar. Listen to me. The war is won at the altar. That's where you're going to find. Some of you are going, Pastor Donna, but I've given my whole heart. But your public praise depends on the depth of your private prayer. Until you understand... Some of you go, but I, well, the praise goes before the battle. Even in that situation, they went to an altar and that's where they got the word to send the praise before the battle. But can I tell you, my greatest hope through all of this is in Matthew chapter 26. Our Lord and our God is about to die for us. And he goes, I'm afraid, why don't you stand with me so I'll, I'll hurry? He goes and he says to the guys with him, Jesus said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Let me just break that down to modern language. I'm heartbroken. I feel like it's going to kill me. I feel like it's going to kill me. He says, I, I, just listen to that. And then he says, would you stay here? Don't leave me alone. I feel like I'm about to die. Would you watch with me for a little while? Would you, well, this will preach. Would you have my back while I go talk to the Father? Yeah, a friend of mine sent me a message late last night. My son just dove into a shallow end of a swimming hole. And we're in an ambulance and they didn't know if he was going to be able to walk or move again. You need somebody that knows how to get a hold of the horns of the altar. And I launched our team into prayer, and it wasn't for an hour or two. They said, praise God, just sore muscles, everything's going to be all right. But listen to what happens with Jesus. Jesus says, keep my, keep my back, go pray for me, guys, because I'm heartbroken. And he went a little further and he fell on his face and he prayed saying, listen to this, we read this as this continuous thought, but, but I want you to interject what the scripture says here. He says, oh, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Now, I want you to stop there just for a moment because we read the rest of that and think, oh, he was just, you know, but no, he says, I'm, I'm heartbroken. And then the Bible says, he says, watch this, he says, that his sweat became as great drops of blood. He was heartbroken, and he didn't know how he was going to survive. He was at the end of his rope, as it were. But somewhere between the drops of blood and the words of his mouth at the altar that he went to in Gethsemane, there in that place, looking at that eastern gate, he said, God, I feel like this is going to kill me. Just to say I'll do it, it's going to kill me, but I feel like just to say I'll do it's going to kill me. But it's in your presence that I find the ability to say, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. You can't bypass the place of sacrifice and expect to get in the presence of God until you can say, God, I'm tired of carrying it I give it to you. You'll never have a true love of God. Value your heads with me in this place. This message has been set since about June. Just didn't know what week to bring it. Here we are. Are you tired of approaching the altar and leaving clean? You see, the altar is where you get dirty the laver where you get clean. The altar's where the unrighteousness is exposed. The, the darkness. Let me just tell you, where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. Somebody needs to, I'm just going to put it to you, right where you are. Every head's bowed and every eye closed. Somebody said, there's some sin in my life that needs to get put on the altar. Where are you? Let me see your hand. Don't, 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 don't you back down on God. He nailed his hands to a cross for you. Hold them up high, hold them up high. There's some sin in my life that needs to get on the altar. God's going to forgive you. God's going to forgive you. Put those hands down. I'm not going to embarrass anybody in this place. I'm about to pray. Let me just say this. I'm going to pray with you where you are, but if you feel the need to walk forward, you're welcome in this altar. All right, and listen to me. I'm about to pray for others. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Don, I've never even really come to the altar of God. I'm, getting the presence of God is beyond me because I've never confessed Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I've never surrendered my life to Him and made Him king of my heart and king of my soul. If that's you today, I want to pray with you right now. You say today's the day you want to know Jesus. Could you just symbolize that by the raising of your hand? Let me see you somewhere in this place. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, are there others? Hold them up high so I can see them, hold them up high. Are there others? Thank you, there's at least seven, eight, nine. Hallelujah, put those hands down. I wanna ask you for one more thing. I don't know who you are, but I feel led, and you may be watching, you may be listening, but I feel led to have somebody make this declaration. That you have grown under the worst of circumstances. And as of today, those circumstances are not going to hold you out from God's presence, but they're going to propel you in. If that's you, this is your moment. I want to see your hand because I'm going to pray for you too. Get it up. Get it up. Hands going up literally all over this place. You listen to me. Put your hands down. I'm going to give you a word of prophecy. We have much to do today, but this is what we're here about. What has haunted you for? Almost 40 years of your life is breaking off of you at the altar. You keep going to the altar, keep going to the altar. I feel, I'm speaking the word of life over you. Somebody in here, your, your addiction is trying to creep back up on you. Get to the altar. Get to the altar. Get to the altar. Let it break off of you in the name of Jesus Christ. There's victory in the name of Jesus Christ. There's healing in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you there, there's sexual assaults and things that are literally, it's going to be broken right now in the name of Jesus Christ. There's there's perversions and, and attacks on your mind and strongholds of the devil. I am declaring right now. I feel the Holy Spirit. I I feel like when Jesus stood outside and said, Lazarus, come forth. I'm standing in front of somebody right now, and I'm inviting you to come forth to life. I'm inviting you. You go, but Pastor Don, when he came forth, he was still bound, and they had to loose him and let him go. But the first thing he had to do was walk out of that. He had to walk out of that. God's moving for people. God's moving for people. Hallelujah. I'm about to pray that people all over this place are giving their lives to Jesus. Altar workers quickly. With anybody that's down here that needs a prayer, partner, this is God's house. This is God's time. This is God's moment. I love you. And I'm thankful for the opportunity to be here and share with you today. But my words are now fading away, but his words remaining. He's moving inside of people. He's changing lives. He's changing lives. Your victory is yours. Your freedom is within your reach. It's within your grasp. Just waiting on the Holy Spirit. Just waiting on Him. Pastor Donnie, you went to where all the altars? No, I'm just, I'm going to pray with some of you right where you are, but, but God's doing something, not me. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, that's the I feel that breaking. Come on right now. I feel that breaking. Help me pray. Help me pray. Somebody help me pray. Somebody help me pray over here. Help me. Men and women with God. Help me pray. There's a breaking. I feel it right now. And as you lay your hands on Him, Father God, right now there's a breaking. That's the Holy Ghost. There's a breaking coming. That thing that he thought he couldn't beat, that thing that he thought he could never overcome. Lord, there's a breaking by the anointing of God. Victory of Christ. There's a breaking, Holy Spirit.